In the middle of March, Fanfara went to It's a Book in Leipzig to launch the second instalment of the creative research project Fanfara Inc, which looks into the conditions of nomadic design labour. Taking place this year in five different cities, the focus of the second instalment of Fanfara Inc is tools, and the project brings together a travelling display, a catalogue, a website and a series of mini-podcasts. But since we don't want to turn up with an already completed project, tete-a-tete, Fanfara's podcast series, will also be present in each place. Our aim is to react to the art and design scene in each city, and meanwhile explore the theme of tools with the people we talk to. We arrived in Leipzig on a Thursday evening to fairly icy conditions that got worse the following day, which we had set aside to visit two of the studios we'd been in touch with. In this, the first of three parts, we cover our visit to Anja Kaiser, a graphic designer who also hosts club nights in the city. On arrival, she had made us a pot of tea and a pot of coffee, and we had settled around the seating area. Later in the conversation, we discuss Anya's project, Sexed Realities, To Whom Do I Owe My Body? A multi-layered visual platform which explores how the body is produced in contemporary society. But first of all, here she is talking about her decision to move from Amsterdam to Leipzig. I just felt like capped in my art and design bubble there. So probably I, it's, it was also about staying longer there to probably really yeah, find these places and find also, I mean, I, I also think you need a group. I also still remember that still in Butcher's Tears was a, lo- was a lot of stuff going on with girls yeah. like us. They set up like DJ workshops and stuff like that. And yeah, but for me, it was also that um, because I studied in Halle, which is um, half an hour away from Leipzig, that I was um, that I had already quite good working network already here. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the urge and yeah, all this, um, the discussions we went through already here in the city. Um, I just felt like, OK, I should go back there. Yeah. And um, but I still think like compared to Amsterdam, Amsterdam is quite set up from the infrastructure of the city. It's quite of hard to find, yeah, a free spot or something where you can really like just do something yourself or it would be really outside of the city and you really would put a lot of effort in there to get the people in there. So that's what I think is still different in Leipzig, that it's way easier that you have some alternative um, housing projects, you have some alternative use places, where you could just set up workshops, you know, this infrastructure, it's way more um, flexible in a way. You don't have to build it yourself. I mean, um, we've only been here for like a day, but it's like noticeably more spacious, I'd say. Like, yeah. and and the, there's like cracks, I suppose, uh, literally and figuratively, like places that you can kind Anya of... Anya shares the studio with four others. In our conversation leading up to meeting, she wrote, don't expect a posh studio accompanied by a winky face. But in fairness, the studio is neither small nor big. There's four large desks, a small seating area. The walls are filled with posters and illustrations. Overall, it's probably quite a nice place to share with our studio mates, who all happen to be away at that moment, visiting Millionaire's Club, the independent comic books fair that was taking place that same when weekend. I came here back in 2014, I mean, I... I was kind of privileged because I could start um, doing this part-time job um, teaching at my former art school, mm-hmm. 
which is already like, okay, that was, you know, that saved my whole income. So yeah. everything, what I would do next to it, yeah. I could just say like, okay, if you don't, if this project does not have, have any money yeah. and I really want to work for it, I just going to do it. And for sure, I mean, um, that's why I also told you when you come here, don't expect a huge studio or anything. Cause we are all, I think we are all really like stressing on this point to try to keep our um, costs um, mm -hmm for living quite um, cheap to really choose the projects we are working for, or at least we feel right now, this is the most important point for us. Yeah. So, so like the, the kind of uh, perhaps like lower cost of, um, of the studio space is kind of a way of potentiating the projects that are kind yeah. of also probably more progressive and less oriented around like generating profit and things like that exactly yeah it's basically cultural work yeah but also there's this huge hype right now about leipzig and i also think it's a bit annoying because i mean it also you don't you know you don't have this um i'm also missing a lot of things that i had back in amsterdam there are a lot of good art shows that are really contemporary and also progressive and um i think also the topics that are discussed there, where you feel like here, I see that in the political scene, but I don't see that in the design and art scene in Leipzig, mm. which is, um, yeah, probably a bit more traditional and things are a bit um, slower mm. in terms of discourse. But do you think that has changed during since 2014 when you moved back here? And like, I guess also in, in a parallel with the hype that has also... I mean, I know a lot of galleries that came here but also now are again moving um, to Berlin mm -hmm. because they realize, yeah, it's quite tough. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think also like probably there is not enough money in the city that there is like this, um, um, yeah, huge art market. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's um, the Hagebi, the art school here in Leipzig is really great. And also the discourses they bring into the city are um great and um um for sure this yeah it's also changing people are setting up way more festivals and um stuff like this mm -hmm. so for sure there is some progress and also a lot of people come here from berlin because they feel like oh okay if i do a project here people really show up because there's not so much going on and yeah. um you could concentrate more here in leipzig but yeah I think it's, um, yeah, something in between. And, um, but also right now, I really f also know a lot of friends of mine that need to move, move out of their house because um, their house got sold to, um, yeah, investors. to investors, yeah. exactly. In, and in, in Berlin or in Leipzig? No, in Leipzig. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, now there is this thing, gentrification, where I always mm. felt like, yeah, it's not there. But also you you see this house next to us. Mm. They just built it, like, one year ago, and it gets attacked all the time. So you're now in the south, which is this um, left-wing part of Leipzig. Mm. And it's so crazy. I mean, like, people bored in the last five years, they um, tried to buy houses together. And, yeah, but now it's, like, pretty fucked up also here. Actually, 
I think there's quite an interesting tension or and I also read it somewhere that you said that you like to explore with um mixing kind of corporate mm -hmm. visual aesthetics or like within your own work as well or mix it with your work mm -hmm. as well um could you explain a little bit about how you use like the corporate realm as an inspiration for your work I mean, that has a lot to do with um, my personal project that is um, investigating in feminism. That's and the to whom do I owe my yeah, body. Yeah, sexuality is to whom do I owe my body. Yeah, and, and actually this is like, yeah, a project that I still continue working on. And um, for sure, that's also, it deals a lot with the commodification of the body. Mm. And so for sure you cannot, I mean, you have to talk about the market yeah. and I need to do this reference or so in, in visual terms yeah. to to yeah to build up this narration so that's why I'm I'm always looking into that because yeah. I think it's quite I mean I also think I mean I wouldn't say there's such a duality you know I think sometimes I'm I'm really annoyed by myself that I'm always thinking like yeah I do these great projects and yeah fuck I have no money to pay my rent at some point or I cannot pay my insurance right now and I also think that's a problem you know we should I think especially if you want to work on free projects you yeah. need to focus way more how can you sustain your living and how yeah. do you get people into writing um, funding applications I'm right now with my feminist network, we are really like try to set up workshops, like how can we get money and also like not to do everything for free. I mean, that's so important. Is and there like, is there another component of it like um, as well, like trying to, I don't know, break out of the reliance on on money, I suppose, or, you know, like so that you, you what I noticed was the kind of element of political collectives that you've referred back to a few times and obviously There's also mutual care, kind of, uh, you know, cooking for one another and things like that. Like, mm -hmm. do you do you guys explore like that much? Like alternative values. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just like obviously, there's there's one side which is yeah, like demanding that you get paid properly, which is uh, totally legitimate. But then I, I suppose like another way would be to to spend. Actually, less. it reminded me a bit because I think it's quite it's it's a it's a very relevant thing to make initiate workshops about and um, I, I remember myself when graduating um, not at all being prepared for or considerate about the financial circumstances in this whole creative field um, it reminded me of, of a part of an article that I read the other day about curators curators being like kind of a, um, I guess hyped title within many past years also but and then there was this short interview with um a curator who she had been um doing a big thing at the venice biennial and she was like interviewed for this article um because of her great uh, achievements as a curator and she was like well you should not at all be <laughs> interviewing me about like success because I'm 35 I have blue hair and I don't have any savings whatsoever for the future it's basically like this does still she's like I don't know considered a successful person within mm -hmm. this cultural yeah a very 
I guess a lot because of a lot of freelance labor in within creative work as well as there is really a lack of a, any kind of safety mm -hmm. security system. Yeah. The article Freya mentions here is The Precarious Glamorous Lives of the Independent Curators, written by Scott Indrasek for Artsy. The curator mentioned is Jacqueline maybe. I mean I think especially in Leipzig I sometimes miss that there is no solidarity because I, it could be so easy in a city like Leipzig you know like in a way you know all the other graphic designers and if you look for a job we could just all have fixed prices or stuff like this I mean you're talking about this that could be also an alternative value for sure that's also something and but I also feel like at the end you know if there are people on Wolf that have a family or you cannot pay your insurance or your rent with an alternative thingy so I think at the end you also yeah need to consider it, that it's about money mm. and I I think I don't know why but probably when I started to go at the art school I people offered to us things like yeah how do you write a business plan blah 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 and I thought like yeah fuck that I don't want to get into that at all it's not interesting for me and right now I'm like realizing oh Oh, okay, yeah. But this is also, I think that's something also attached to graphic design, you know? Mm -hmm. It's all about that you're doing great work and nobody's talking about this condition. And that's what I think, um, it's really a pity that we are not more transparent about that. Mm -hmm. Also to come up with more, yeah, like more different ways. Like how do you, I mean, how can you work in a studio together with multiple people like and get savings for all of you together and but then also everybody has this individual approach and um, yeah I think that could be really smart like um, to think of more yeah new ways of generating income anyway. I think about it a lot, but I, I, I'm I'm not in any way acted upon my like ideas or so. But you know, the thing you said about um, being first of all, just being honest about struggles. You know, like individuals, like like having the kind of confidence to say, like I'm struggling to find a house or like mm -hmm. you know everybody's and and I think like somehow associatively this brings to mind a question I was thinking of asking was like. Um, about your mm -hmm. uh, looking at the website that um, shows your project um, mm -hmm. to whom do I owe my body mm -hmm. there's two things right mm -hmm. there's two images right? yeah I, I kind of think that the same thing feeds into like struggles like you know that we're, we're forced to present this very clean mm -hmm. surface image mm -hmm. and I, it kind of reminded me of your your website the the idea that like there's two 
and there's very much like a conflict conflicting images and the mechanics of the graphic design production are kind of all there but what does those two sites refer to refer to yeah yeah um so for me it was um important when i thought about this question i mean it was also about like how can i talk about feminism nowadays so it was i started this project in 2012 and i had huge struggles also with people that were saying like why do you still talk about feminism (laughs) (laughs) which is like really different back in was that back in 2012 or or like today that people 2012 i mean now we have this pop feminism and everybody is like yeah the future is female blah 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 um i mean it's really different um and what i was interested into was like looking into this biological determinism so this idea okay there's just these two sides of male and female and how do people like um yeah construct that um idea and also in terms of knowledge and um how do we um interpret history and stuff like that and then on the other hand i was also interested like when we think about deconstruction like when does that really apply to our conditions of living Mm. and so this idea okay we can become everything without but still having a body that is like talking to the outside and at the end I just like all these examples I show where there is a potential of leaving this heteronormativity Mm. they all clash everybody is like um yeah um not into this heteronormative concept there's also a value from the market behind it you know it's not like okay right it's 2012 and we can just be whatever we want to know it's in a way probably way more productive and that's what i try to analyze with this work like okay when is there pop culture and we see wow there's something changing we have way more hybrid bodies um in the setting but how does this come back to um yeah how we live together it's because like certain bodies are suddenly now able to be commodified that are maybe slightly more queer i suppose right you know they they appear in culture but it's a certain there's like a certain space that's allowed and then there's still yeah but it's also it's really interesting i i I saw an i saw an interview with mickey blanco and um mickey just said like you know everybody calls me the first queer rapper Mm -hmm. that's not true Mm. first of all And then there's just a huge music industry right now that is realizing, wow, there's a target group that is gay and that is probably, they don't have kids or family, they have nobody to take care of. So there's a lot of more money, so we can sell way more records Mm -hmm. and we can sell way more concerts. Um, And yeah, it's just also a good concept to to make this thing work um, on the market. So, and I I think it's just good to talk about um, this also openly. Like, okay, there's also there there is a certain time where you feel like yeah, capitalism is now like applying to this concept of queerness. It's not like about um, yeah, how can the music industry be more emancipated? No, it's it's just about numbers. I mean. <laughs> 
What's up, Papa Donna? It's top mama, it's Blanca, it's hot and bother. No drama, straight to your dome, no drama. I'm hip hop, some summer dogs choking shit out. Don't matter your clout or what you about. We dance, snakes, snitches, you Donnie Rascals. I see you, believe me, infiltrating on the dime. You bluff a bitch, I'm making mine. Shaking baked these chickens, clipping wings on pigeons. You my disciple now, and this that new religion. Father Blanco for the thrill of your life. You see that white light, I know it's blind, right? At least I can imagine. I mean, there's there's surely a lot of people who 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 are working for it, not with the financial drive. But I guess now, when uh, when the mass is following, that's because of a greater market interest. Mm. Yeah. And do you actually? Because uh, you also refer in some of the articles we read, does a lot of um, collaborations with other female designers and mm. or references to Hito style, for instance. And, but uh, do you, how much are you in your practice reminded by your gender? Or do you think it's something which is very present? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a difference when I'm teaching. Mm. How get I preserved from the professors and whatever? I mean, I have friends I studied with and they are right now professors. I'm still like this person invited for workshops and probably have way more hard time to do that. I also feel that in terms of money, that I have the feeling like it's sometimes it feels harder for me to make up this budget. And but that's why also in a way I'm also like work with my collectives in a way to protect myself from that way more, you know like um yeah work for people i know or where i also feel like okay i can ask them to be transparent about the whole budgets in general and like yeah mm. just discuss these things properly but for sure i also when we did um when i was working with a mixed group for a really commercial huge client then you just you go to a meeting where you're gonna pitch the idea and you are talking and actually everybody's looking or just talking to the male designers. It's like that. Yeah. I mean, for sure, it's still like that. I mean, so when you go back to the art school, most of the people are referencing designers. They, I mean, and also if you go then into design history, they are mentioning just male designers. So for sure. Do you think that is some, do you think there's a change or like any um, kind of, increasing awareness towards changing that narrative of male designers for instance yeah i mean i think like what we see right now that competitions and um, biennials um, also get a feedback for who are they inviting for a jury or for giving a talk mm. i mean people are getting more aware of that But I also think like it's so crazy. Design always wants to be so close to the art. And I think these discussions were already way longer there. And we have now 2017 and now people are asking like, why is it just a male jury board? (laughs) I mean, it's super late in a way in terms of design. And I think, um, yeah, something is changing. But and I also know like, um, for instance, in Karlsruhe, there were no female um, professors like um, five years ago. And yeah, still, if you look also into graphic design, mm. it's still really male dominated. And 
it's really um, yeah it's really about all also our male colleagues to um see this point and yeah fight for more solidarity in a yeah because i guess in general it's actually quite um equally um equally gendered amount of students that comes through or like a study in graphic design i don't think so if you look at that body it it does not it's not a male dominated no um, it's, it's profession i mean i think in most of the german and art schools it's probably way more 70 80 percent are female students studying graphic design which means that like afterwards and when the actual jobs are being divided up is e that that like in even more than like there's preference for, for men if that's like i mean and that if that balance has been the case yeah. yeah but it's also like i mean what kind of um structures are you reproducing i mean it's a structural problem and um i think like most of the female students i know they feel like oh um, now I'm ready and I feel like I have to um, get some knowledge. So I go into the studio and then they're doing great work, but they just become invisible mm. behind the great studio name and stuff like that, just because they are not like pushed like the guys to, mm. yeah, you, now you go out and you do your own business because you're great. It's like, um, I mean, they're also, I think, the, yeah, the, the, the art schools have to put a lot of effort in there to make them comfortable. To so like invest like confidence in, in, in their own, yeah. yeah, in their own practice, in their own studios. And mm. yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, that's, and I also realized that myself, like when I'm in class and I asked somebody to set up the technical equipment, then I probably asked for a guy to do it. And then like, fuck shit, why am I doing that? Like, everybody can do that. You know, you're also reproducing these kind of, and we all, I mean, it's not about um, pinpointing on somebody like you're doing something wrong. I think we're all part of these um, structural um, ideologies. So um, yeah, we need to work together to, to overcome that. After we spoke to her, Anya took us on a short trip down the road from her office to Delhi, a nice little vegan restaurant on Wolfgang Heinzestrasse. Between mouthfuls of delicious vegan food, we spoke a bit more about Leipzig and Amsterdam, work and life, before setting off for our talk with Marcus Langer of Studio Farm, the results of which you can hear in the following episode. Fanfara Tete Tete is a Fanfara production hosted by me, Charlie Clamos. And me, Freya Kier. The songs featured were, in order of appearance, I Never Loved Remix by Tammy T, Presence by Noisy Answer, and Feeling Special by Mickey Blanco. You can follow Fanfara Tete Tete on all good podcast apps.